I'm in the middle of a series on prayer. I hope that what you will do, and in fact, I forgot to ask this in the first service, but I hope that what you will do is take a couple of days each week as you feel led and fast and pray about the world situation. We need to seek the face of God. I talked about the world situation, but I did not ask who many will do, uh, how many will join with me in fasting and praying as they feel led of the Lord this week. You'll set aside some time to seek God because this is a dangerous hour we live in. If you'll do that, raise your hand and just wave it at me. Thank you for all of those of you that are agreeing to fast and pray. Uh, I want to put what's happening in the world in context before I get into the word of God. Um, Ukraine, because uh, let me just back up and say this. I need to put it in context because very many people do not know what is really going on. They just hear there's a war. But Ukraine had applied for NATO membership, North Atlantic Treaty Organization, to which we are a, of which we are a part. And um, uh, there are a number of European nations that are in this organization. And basically what they do is is they go to one another's aid and defense in times of conflict. Russia has invaded the Ukraine. Ukraine had, had applied for NATO membership, and so has Finland. And so Russia invaded Ukraine as punishment. Now, there are all kind of other layers and nuances to this, but they've also said to Finland that you're next if you continue to pursue trying to apply for NATO membership. Well, here's the deal. At first, the NATO nations had kind of backed away. Now Germany is sending in military equipment. Others are, I'm talking about weapons and all kind of things like that. And this could go, I mean, really dangerous, very, very fast. And what we need to remember is there's two other situations in the world that are looking for something like this to be a diversion so they can then do what they want to do as well. One is China invading Taiwan and the other is North Korea invading South Korea. You have never lived in a time that is more dangerous than the day we are living in this Sunday and this month of February, the 28th day of February, 2022. I'm telling you, we are watching the four horsemen of the apocalypse come galloping right out of the book of Revelation. And if you don't know what that means, then we can talk about that another time. But all I can say is if people who pray don't recognize the value of the moment that you're in right now and begin to seek the face of God about this, you have missed the reason for which you have come to the kingdom at this time. You are here for such a time as this. We need to seek the face of God. And if I can say this soberly, and in no way casting aspersions, I think the church in the world has been asleep for years. It has been. We have been lulled into a sense that everything is okay. We'll maintain the status quo, all of this other stuff. And what we have done while we have been asleep is we do not realize that the enemy has come in and he's doing his dirty work and now then we're waking up and looking around and seeing our values eroded and we're seeing Christian principles be cast aside and we're seeing the product of what happens whenever those values are cast aside. If you want peace in this world, it's got to be built around someone whose name is the Prince of Peace. Amen. You leave him out of the process and you're not going to have no peace. You're not going to have peace. Man at his best is incapable of resolving problems that are the direct result of rebellion against God and the teachings of his word. We can try, but you leave God out of the process. You might as well throw your owner's manual away for your car if you're going to ignore the teachings of the Bible. And when your car breaks down, then don't blame the dealer. You threw away the owner's manual. This is the owner's manual for mankind right here. Amen. It's the Bible. And so I want to get into the word of God. And I want us to look at some of the things we have been talking about. Now, there's a book in the bookstore that I wrote 
uh, moving heaven to change earth. I don't get anything from any of these books I'll write. So this is not a crass, cheap advertisement so that I can get some something to rattle in my pocket. I, I, I've never taken a cent from the books I write. Don't ever intend to. It goes either into missions or right here into this building program that you see. And, and the building that we've built as a result of the building program, I should say. But I define 12 types of prayer. I don't pretend to know everything, so please don't assume that I'm out there acting like a know-it-all. Just when I read the Bible, I see different kinds of prayer that to me are like the different kinds of tools that a workman might have in his tool pouch or in his tool chest. And each one of those types of prayer fit real well as they address a particular need that might exist that you're going to be praying over someday. And so the way I came to understand it is I felt like this was insight that God had given me. There are seven kinds of devotional prayers. I'm not going to talk about those. Uh, We pretty much skipped right over those. And then there are five strategic kinds of prayers. I felt to go directly to the strategic kinds of prayers. I had no idea that we would be in the middle of all of this worldwide calamity, chaos, and things that are happening. There are our brothers and sisters in the Ukraine. I'm talking about Christians that are being killed right now. Amen. And they're engaged in war. And I, I know some of the church people over there. They're incredible missionaries and wonderful churches that are there. Great believers that love God just like you. But when I started this series and felt to go directly to strategic prayers, I didn't know this war was going to break out. Now I better understand retroactively why I had to jump to this. But there are five kinds of strategic prayers. And let me explain the difference if you're new and you're just becoming a part of Inspire. The seven types of devotional prayers affect your relationship with God. That's all about you and God. But then on top of that, the five strategic forms of prayer are what you can do to affect the world. And there are different prayers, types of prayers you can pray. I began by talking about prayers of intercession. And then Andrew preached last week on prayers of agreement. And I watched it from out of the country. I was in Africa. We had done a graduation in our Bible school there. And we graduated 96 new students. Would you give God praise for that? Amen. And they are starting churches all over the place and working in churches and And dedicated servants of the Lord. But uh, that was the second form of of strategic prayer. Prayers of agreement. Today I'm going to preach about the third type of strategic prayer. Next Sunday Marcus Witt will be with us. But then the following two Sundays I'll finish this series. But I've never felt like I have preached a series that is more timely in my life than this series. And I always feel like I get ten times more out of any message that I preach than any of you do because I'm the one who has the privilege of studying and preparing and the teacher always gathers more information that he will possibly have time to share. This has impacted my personal prayer life. I pray these 12 types of devotional prayers. I pray them daily. And I want to tell you when you line them up like that and you pray them the way that um, I felt like the Lord gave me insight on I feel like it is life transforming. It brings me right into the throne room and then positions me to be able to talk to God about needs that affect the world around me and not just me. Nothing wrong with praying about my own needs, but it's a tragedy that many believers never get beyond that point in prayer when they really have the power to move heaven to change the earth we live on. And it is with this in mind that I'm turning to 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 28. And thank you for giving me the extra time to talk to you about the world situation and ask you to please join with us in prayer. Because literally, we don't know where this could go. Yesterday, our, our president told us that the reason that he went for sanctions was because he only felt like he had two options, sanctions or world war. And then President Trump, The president just before President Biden yesterday evening made a similar statement. He said, we are facing World War III right now. 
So it doesn't matter if you're right, left, Republican, Democrat, up, down, sideways, all in between, half and half. I I don't care what you are. Everybody realizes we're in a very dangerous place right now. And the people of God need to pray. And so I'm turning to our text, 2 Samuel 7. And now, everybody say now. Shout it out loud. Now. That has to do with time. Oh, Lord God, you are God. was the first thing David said when he began this prayer. Is I recognize who I'm talking to. And then he said this. Your words are true. And you have promised this goodness to your servant. Now, therefore... Let it please you to bless the house of your servant. And he's talking about himself. That it may continue before you forever. For you, O Lord God, have spoken it. I want you to notice that. You, O Lord God, have spoken it. And with your blessing, let the house of your servant be blessed forever. This is the prayer that David prayed after receiving an incredible word from God through the prophet Nathan. And David turned right around and began to pray what Nathan had just spoken to him that he in turn had gotten from God. David turned around and now began to pray that back to the Lord. That is incredibly insightful. My subject today is declarative prayers. The series that I'm in, I've simply titled it Prayers That Make The Difference. Not a difference. The Difference. They're not the same thing. You can make a difference, but you could make the difference. Mighty God, I ask you to use us today, all of us, use me, use this congregation, by imparting knowledge into our heart and understanding as well as spirit and motivation and encouragement that will help us to do what you've commissioned and called us to do. And Lord, Lay out before us an understanding of how to pray in such a way that we can move heaven and cause you to change the world we live in because it's pretty clear that men are not going to change it without your assistance. And we ask that in doing all of this, you would receive glory for your great name, for you alone are worthy of the kind of glory that really should be given to you. You're mighty, you're powerful, you're great. And we honor you as such in Jesus' name. And everybody shouted and said, Amen. Amen. One more time, Amen. Amen. There is a connection between declaring God's promises in prayer and an in heaven's response back to us. That's because there is a direct correlation with what heaven does in our lives after we declare the word of God and we do so in prayer. I'm going to explain that in a moment. This is true literally with every word of scripture. God has given us his word. And when we pray the word of God or speak the word of God back to him, it carries a level of weightiness that maybe praying about other things does not quite carry. You see, even when you receive a prophetic word from God, that carries a certain level of weightiness that makes your prayers or what you say over your own life more impacting than if it, it is not supported by some word from God. In this particular case, the text I read, the prophetic word is what inspired David to pray the prayer that he prayed. This was not written in the Torah. It was not given to Moses on Mount Sinai. David was praying a literal prophetic word that God had given to the prophet Nathan for him. And he turned around, as I've already stated, after listening to that word very carefully, he began to repeat those words back to God. Now, I'm going to begin by pointing out a problem. It is unfortunate and reprehensible that through the years, confessing the promises of God has often been twisted into something that it is not. By that, I mean that proclaiming scripture has many times been presented as a self-serving 
way to manipulate heaven into doing what we want to fulfill our own selfish will and desires. We've all seen that. People talk about name it and claim it and blab it and grab it and, you know, and just there's been so much of that that it is discredited in the minds of many believers any idea that they could begin to declare the word of God over their lives and certainly to declare the word of God over their lives in prayer. But the fact is that just because this teaching has been abused and wrongly used does not take away from its factual basis and truth any more than Confederate currency takes away from the value of real money. Just because there's some Confederate currency circulating out there, you don't take all of the money out of your wallet or money clip or purse and throw it away and say, I'll never use that stuff again. No, you learn to tell the difference between what is genuine and what is not. As believers, amen, we have to be very careful that we stop reacting to error the wrong way. Amen. And in doing so, create yet another error that's worse than the first. By not continuing on to do what God has instructed us in his word that we should be doing. Just because somebody carried a message that was based in truth too far and crossed the line and began to use that message for the wrong reasons doesn't mean you throw that part of the word of God away. What you do is deal with the error, but you keep the truth. Can I hear an amen? Very often, believers overreact and they throw the baby out with the bathwater. The reality is concerning declaring truth that improper conversation causes many of the problems we encounter in our lives to be given positions of influence and authority and strength that in turn makes it difficult for us to overcome those problems. By using the wrong conversation about those problems, we make those problems more severe. Amen. Often what we think we're doing when we discuss the problem is we're expressing our frustration with the circumstance and we're just venting when we talk about that problem. But what we don't realize is that if we're not careful with our words, we're actually empowering that difficulty and making it more, more hard or more challenging for us to address it. Amen. We're adding to its strength. During the years, I've learned to not go around just talking about problems. How many of you have learned that? Some people like that. This is one of the conflicts that I have with news media. Negative news sales. So they're not out there telling you all the good stuff that's going on. They're constantly telling you problem after problem after problem after problem. That doesn't really solve problems. It empowers problems. I wish I could get an amen. And so I usually don't like to talk about problems unless it is with someone who is and can be a part of the redemptive solution to that problem. But just to talk about it, no, I've got other things that I could be doing that are more constructive and beneficial. I don't know why God has set up the kingdom the way that he has, but for some reason God chooses to respond to our declarations when they are in alignment with his will. God chooses to do that. It states in Proverbs 18:21, the tongue can bring death or life. Either one. The declarations you speak are responsible for creating the world that you live in. And again, they can do that by empowering a problem or you can empower a solution based upon the conversations that you have. Proverbs then goes on to say those who love to talk will reap the consequences. That's not just negative consequences. It also means that if you have the right conversation, you will reap the positive consequences of having the correct conversation. But I'll tell you what else this is teaching us. It means that you're not supposed to go around saying just whatever you want to say anytime you want to say it. Oh, but freedom of speech is one of my great rights. It is, but you also have the right to dig your own hole and fall into it. 
Amen. We should meet every situation in life with the correct word of God that will address that situation. Jesus did when he was tempted by the enemy in the wilderness. Every temptation he met with a word from the word of God. It is written. It is written. It is written. Amen. Declarative prayers are prayers in which you confess and pray back to God what God has already stated in his word that he would do. In my experience, these are some of the most powerful prayers that can be prayed. When I've sought for God in something in prayer and it did not seem to be working out, if I could find a word from God about that situation or if somebody were to give me a word from God or I would to receive, and I think you'll understand this, a certain knowing in my spirit as I prayed that was God actually talking to me about the situation. If I could get that and begin to declare that back to God, it seemed to make something happen that just praying ordinary prayers did not cause to occur. And I think there's a reason behind it. Declarative prayers work so well, I think, because of 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 through 15, where John says, now this, everybody say this, is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, that's a big word. If we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. Amen. These verses communicate to us both the promise and the problem. That we are confronted with when we pray. Listen closely. The promise is that we can ask anything. If it is according to his will. You got to stop and think about that for just a moment. And if we ask anything according to his will. He hears us. And when we know that he hears us, then we also know that we're going to receive what we have prayed for. These are the conditions that cause prayer to be answered. When you pray a prayer that is prayed in the will of God, there are two prerequisites that are here, that are mentioned here. And they are, when you pray a prayer that is prayed in the will of God, then you can know that he is going to answer. And those two prerequisites, praying in the will of God and knowing that he will answer are the conditions that must be met before you receive an answer to that prayer. In other words, you can't just pray anything you want anytime you want and God's got to show up and do what you just told him he's supposed to do. No, You've got to pray, and the scripture says it again, if you ask for anything in his will. Say that, according to his will. Say that. Anything according to his will. But I'm praying for a brand new Cadillac. Anything according to his will. Not according to your will. According to his will. When you have prayed according to his will, then you know that he hears you. And once you know that, the deal is done. It's sealed. Because then you know you're going to receive what you have asked. But this verse in 1 John 5 doesn't just give us the promise of prayer. And describe the two prerequisites necessary for a prayer to be answered. They highlight the problem we face when we pray. And it's the problem that often hinders believers and keeps them from praying effective prayers. And that is we don't always know what the will of God is. I wish I had a better amen. And when you don't know what the will of God is when you pray, you will lack confidence that he hears you. And when you lack confidence that he hears you, then you don't know for sure that the answer is coming. 
And now we have just moved from concrete faith into unbelief. And faith is what the kingdom of God operates on. It is the currency of the kingdom of God. Amen. You begin to question in your own heart whether God has heard you when you're praying things you're not absolutely sure about that you might wonder whether or not he wants to give those or whether or not he wants that to happen. When you have doubt in your approach to God in prayer, you then begin to doubt the outcome of that prayer. You're not confident. And this is the whole nature of what John is saying. Pray according to his will. And when you pray according to his will, you will know that he is going to answer. And once you know, you will have what you ask for. That's what John tells us. Amen. You see, if I could say it like this, part of the confusion comes from the fact that in life you have options. You have so many options. Options about whether we go to the right or to the left or straight forward or we back up and go in reverse. Options about which job to choose, which person to marry. Options. So do we choose this one or that one? And oftentimes where we get ourselves into trouble, if I can say this, is we pray, my will be done instead of thy will be done. And the reason we pray that is because the will of God is not absolutely clear to us. Isn't that true with your prayers? It has been with mine. I'm being very candid with you. If I don't know for sure what God wants, my will can get in the way in a hurry. Amen. That's why declarative prayers are so profoundly impactful. When you pray the scripture or you pray a word from God, you need to know what that does. God's word tells you exactly what his perfect will for your life is. It takes the element of guesswork out of your prayer. When you pray the word of God, you're praying the pure, unadulterated, forever settled in heaven word of God that he determined before the worlds were ever created. And once you begin to pray that to him, you can get up from where you have prayed and walk away and say, I know God heard every word I said. Therefore, I know the answer is on its way. Somebody in the building shout amen this morning. Amen. I realize the scripture doesn't always go into specifics or minute detail. But it will give you the principles that govern every situation you will ever face in life. It might not tell you choose Tom instead of Harry. Or Mary instead of Sue. But it will tell you. That unbelievers should not be yoked together with people who are in the kingdom of God. I know, I know. I'm going to step out where angels fear to tread right now. Amen. God said, don't get mixed up in relationships that are not with people who are pagans and who don't love God and Oh, but Tom looks good to me, Lord. Mary, oh my goodness, Lord. She looked, yeah, but I won't tell you a few years from now, you're going to have so many problems. It's going to change the lens and the glasses you've been looking at them through. And they will not look nearly as good as they did when you decided you wanted to pray, my will, Lord. Amen. It might not give you specifics when it comes to detail, but God's word will give you the parameters for how to make your decisions. And when you honor God with the decisions in your life, God will cause your prayers to come to pass. When those prayers are articulated to include the promises of his word. Look at David's prayer. I've got, to, my God, my time is gone. David wanted to build God a house. And the prophet Nathan said, man, that sounds right on track. David, good idea. I love it. Do everything that's in your heart. And David went to bed that night and laid his head back. I laid back on his pillow and thought, man, it's a good world. I'm living the big life now. And Nathan went to sleep that night thinking, 
You know, as he felt all warm and fuzzy on the inside, we're going to have a new house for God. And then God walked up to Nathan in his dream, tapped him on the shoulder, and Nathan looked up, and, and God said, David's not the one to build this house for me. His son's going to build it. You march right back out there, and you tell David what my word is for his life. Not what his will is. Don't condone his will. I want you to give him my word. Your personal will can get you into trouble. Nathan went back and told David, David, I messed up. I said yes when I shouldn't have. God said, you're not going to build him a house. But because it was in your heart to build God a house, God's going to build you a house. I would rather have God build me a house any day than for me to build one for God. Amen. And this is what God told him. Your throne is going to be established forever and ever. It was a messianic prophecy, meaning that through your seed, David, your throne will someday be occupied by someone who will rule eternally. It was pointing right down through the ages to the coming of Christ Jesus, who is going to descend from heaven someday with a shout and establish his kingdom in this world and rule with righteousness and with peace. Amen. And I love what David did. He turned right around and went and prayed that word back to God. Notice this. And now, oh Lord God, now. I'm letting this word direct me from this time forward. I had other plans, but those just got put on the shelf because I've changed my personal will to be in alignment with your will. I'm preaching right now to somebody. Hallelujah. And he said, I want to acknowledge who I'm talking to. So he said, now, oh Lord God, you are God and your words are true. Everything that came out of your mouth is going to come to pass. You have promised this. It's going to happen just the way you said. Now, at that point, you would think that David would get up and dust off his knees and go about his business, but he didn't. He continued to pray and notice how he prayed. Now, therefore... Let it please you to bless the house of your servant, that it may continue before you forever. For you, O Lord God, have spoken it, and with your blessing let the house of your servant be blessed forever. David prayed back to God the word that God had given him. You can be absolutely certain that when David got up from prayer, He walked away knowing this is one prayer that's going to be answered. Because when you pray back to God the word he has spoken over you, you are praying right in the middle of the divine will of God. And God is going to bring it to pass. Can somebody in the building shout hallelujah. And in this, you see the pattern of declarative prayers. Declarative prayers are so powerful because they pray to God what God has already decreed is going to happen. You see, in the absence of that, what we often do is we pray the problem. God, don't you see what I'm going through? Lord, did you know what my boss said to me yesterday? Lord, do you understand what my family is going through? God, I need your intervention because my back is against the wall. I don't know. And we pray the problem. And what we're doing is empowering the problem. When if we had a word from God, we could say no weapon formed against me is going to prosper. I need somebody in the building to shout hallelujah. Please just give me a few minutes. The prophet Elijah is yet another example. Did you ever wonder what Elijah prayed before the three-year drought ended and the heavens opened and the rain came down? To end that long, blistering, crippling drought that had affected the nation of Israel. That must have been some prayer, right? Man, after all, it moved God to open a heaven that had been sealed shut 
as though it had been welded shut, where not even one drop of rain could be squeezed through the seams of heaven's closed windows. For three years it did not rain. The economy was crippled. Livestock was dying. People were dying. And then Elijah prayed. And it rained. And boy, did it ever rain. It rained so heavily that Elijah even sent word before it started raining to King Ahab, get up in your chariot, get up to Samaria. If you don't hurry up, you're going to be caught in the lowlands. And there's going to be such rain that there will be flash floods in the valleys. Man, what kind of prayer did he pray? Wouldn't you like to know what he prayed? Because if you could pray a prayer like that, where you can open heaven, that would be amazing. And I'm talking to somebody in this building right now that needs heaven opened over their life. Who needs the rain to fall? Who needs the sweet rain of heaven to come down on your life? Who needs God to rain on your finances? Who needs God to rain on your marriage? Who needs God to rain on your ministry or your children? Is there anybody in this house that needs the drought to stop? Anybody that needs the drought to stop. Oh, I feel the presence of God. Let it rain, Lord. Anybody need rain in their personal life? Raise your hand right now and wave it at me across the building. Rain. I need the rain, Lord. I need the rain. Don't you want to know what Elijah prayed? He prayed the word that God had given him three years earlier. Three years before he had stood up at the word of the Lord and declared because of the idolatry of the land, the heavens would be sealed and it would not rain until he himself opened his mouth and declared that it was going to rain again. God gave him the promise, I will seal heaven and I will open it again by your word, Elijah. So when Elijah went to pray, do you know what he prayed? He prayed the word that God had given him. And let me tell you how to make the drought in your life end. Open your mouth and pray the word that God is giving you right now. I'm talking to somebody in this building. You're on the verge of a breakthrough if you will open your mouth. In prayer. And pray what God has promised over your life. With David, we see the pattern of declarative prayers. With Elijah, we see the persistence of declarative prayers. Because even though God had given him his word, that it would rain in three years when Elijah asked for it and declared it, Elijah still put his head between his knees and got in the birthing position. And he prayed one time and sent a servant to the top of the hill And asked him, do you see anything? And he said, no, I don't see anything. He prayed the second time and sent him back. He did that seven times until finally the servant came back and said, don't see much, master. All I see is a cloud the size of a man's hand rising out of the sea. I've seen bigger clouds than that around people's heads who were smoking cigarettes and cigars. Amen. But that's all the prophet needed. You see, in the persistence of declarative prayers, when you have a word from God, you don't stop. You keep asking. And if it doesn't happen today, you pray again tomorrow. And if it doesn't happen tomorrow, you pray next week. Because when you have a word from God, you know the rain is coming. You might not even know when, but you know that it's about to fall. You don't stop praying. You don't stop calling on God. You don't stop. You don't stop. And I close with this. Why do declarative prayers work so well? Isaiah 55 verse 11. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void. Say it. It shall return to me void. I'm going to say it again. It shall not return. Return to God void. That word void is an interesting word because it's one of the first words found in your Bible. 
Amen. The earth was without form and and God said, let there When God speaks a word and there's nothing out there, that word leaves the mouth of God, goes out there and pulls together everything that needs to be pulled together to make something happen. And when you open your mouth to begin to declare the word of God and that God has given you, it's not your word, it's God's word. It has created power. Notice what God said. It shall prosper or accomplish what I please and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. It is impossible for one word that God has spoken to fall to the ground and not be answered. Even angels, and there are millions of them, around the throne in that celestial city wait with silent lips to hear the slightest whisper that comes from the mouth of God that they can bring it to pass. Listen, Psalms 103 verse 20, Bless the Lord, you his angels, who excel in strength, who do his word, heeding the voice of his word. Angels are waiting to hear God speak so they can go. And fulfill what God has promised. And there are millions of them. And you see what is amazing. Is it only takes one angel. To change everything in your world. Doesn't take a million angels to fix your problem. All it takes is one angel. One angel went out and in one night killed 105,000, 85,000 of the enemy that had surrounded Jerusalem when Hezekiah prayed. One angel. One angel is all it's going to take to remove the manhole cover of hell and slam duck the devil down into the bottom of the pit. In the book of Revelation, in the last days, one angel. And whenever you begin to speak the word of God, angels are listening. Angels are listening. And it didn't say that God's got to be the one to speak it. Once he spoke it, it's hanging out there. It cannot return to him void. And when you speak the word of God, angels have to heed The voice of his word. Didn't say they only heed the voice of the word of God when he speaks it. They've got to heed the word of God that is spoken. That is why when you face a problem, let me talk to you in these last 30 seconds. Stop praying the problem. And find a promise in this book and begin to pray the solution instead of the problem because there are angels standing all around waiting to be commissioned to go out and gather what needs to be gathered together to make that word be fulfilled. Would you stand to your feet with me? You see, the problem is that we sometimes don't know enough of the promises of God. We don't know what his word has to say about our situation. Look at your neighbor and say this. There are 7,437 promises of God in the Bible. You want to know how many that is? That's about 20 for every day of your life. Every year, 20 new promises of God. Every every day of that year, 20 promises of God. 20 promises of God. You've got all kind of promises that you can find in the word of God. And I close by saying that in this, in both the story of David and Elijah, we also see not only 
the pattern of declarative prayers or the persistence of declarative prayers. We see the posture of declarative prayers. Because David submitted what his plans were to God. Elijah submitted himself to pray only what God had spoken from his mouth. The posture of declarative prayers is the posture of submission. Lord, I want what you want for my life. Thy kingdom come, not mine. Thy will be done, not mine. Elijah didn't pray for snow. He didn't pray for water to come up from subterranean depths and sources. He prayed exactly what God told him, that in three years, Elijah, it's going to rain. Now, I don't know who I'm talking to, but somebody in this building has a word from God for their lives. And it hasn't been fulfilled yet. And I'm opening this altar right now to say that if you want that word from God, that God has spoken over your life to be fulfilled, come right now and join me. And I want you to come and stand near the front. And we'll do as best we can to honor one another with social distancing. So just come. If you've not given your heart to God, you're not fulfilling God's plan for your life yet either. Come with these who are coming right now. your hands on your chest and I want you to say this Lord I believe you have incredible promises for me come on shout it out loud Lord I believe you have incredible promises for me let this be a very personal moment between you and God I'm not here today because I wanted to be here God I'm here because you created me and put me in this world You designed me. You spoke me into existence. You fashioned me and put me here. I am here because I have a destiny. You have a plan for my life. Those plans have not been fulfilled yet, but today, Lord, I'm praying and I'm submitting myself to you and I'm declaring over my life that every word that you ever spoke about me is going to come to pass. It will come to pass. It will come to pass. It will come to pass. purposes for which you designed me and brought me into this earth are going to be completed and my assignment will someday be finished and done I am going to make a mark on this world for you I have come into this world at this time for a reason I am mighty and you know my name I am here with the anointing of God on my life I am here I have a reason for being in this world right now and nothing is going to stop me and keep me from finishing my assignment Drugs will not. Alcohol will not. They're loosening their hold on me right now. Because I am praying the word of God over my life. I am more than an overcomer. I am not weak. I am not in subjection to the domination of the enemy. God 
is mighty in me. Immorality will not keep me back. Brokenness will not keep me back. In fact, I'm telling the devil right now, get your hands off my family. Get your hands off of my children. Get your hands off my relationships. Get your hands off my finances. Get your hands off my health. You leave my body alone, Satan. I am the temple of the living God. God dwells inside of me. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost in this room. Hallelujah. 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 Find a word from God and pray it. Pray it. Stop praying the hurt. Stop praying the pain. Stop praying the rejection. Stop praying the refusal. Stop praying the betrayal. I'm talking to somebody right now. Stop praying what they did to you that was wrong. Rise above it in the name of Jesus. Be the man, the woman of God that God has called you to be. There's deliverance that's happening in this room right now. When I lift my hands and shout. I have the authority. Jesus has given me. When I open up my mouth, miracles are breaking. 